Okay, well, welcome. Once again, this is WNZN Radio coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio. Uh, that's 89.1 FM on your station dial. And uh, happy you tuned in once again. We're very grateful for this station, be able to come together, David, and get the messages out as well as special guests. So here we are again, start of this uh, brand new year, 2022, and we've had several good guests on, and we're happy uh, to look forward to some guests coming in the near future. So yes. I'm here with my friend and assistant, David Abood. Hey, John, great to be here with you today. Another show. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this, maybe you're having static or not, the signal isn't that strong, just, just live stream us on your computer. Just go to www.wnzn.org. That's wnzn.org, and it should be no problem at all hearing us. So, um, you know, like I said, we've had some special guests these start of the new year, yeah. and we're looking for some other special ones coming out in the near future. Very different backgrounds, different ministries, which I think is very good to, to do to promote them. And when we don't do that, we look at apologetics. We might look at different themes in the Bible, different books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So about three weeks ago, we started on this uh, Miracles in the Bible, Part yes. 1. And I want to pick it up again, Miracles Part 2, uh, which probably will emphasize a little bit more in the New Testament. But we set it up that God displays <clears throat> his, his presence and His power uh, by the use of miracles. Yeah. Now, there's many different definitions of a miracle, uh, what a miracle actually is. But mm-hmm. one of them is this. Uh, it's an event uh, that involved the direct and powerful action of God transcending ordinary laws of nature and defying common expectations of behavior. Miracles provide evidence of God's presence and power in the world to demonstrate his authority on behalf of his servants. So when we see, like Moses confronting Pharaoh, right. and Pharaoh doesn't want to let the Israelite people go, I mean, they were in slavery for 400 years, God displays his power through Moses mm-hmm. through a series of 10 plagues, which is undeniable. It's not human. It's not human strength or power. Yeah. It's of God. And so that will eventually lead Pharaoh uh, to release uh, the Israelites from uh, captivity. Same thing when you go through the Old Testament. You see these instances where God intervenes through the miraculous. And again, it's God's stamp uh, of approval. Because most religions have a set of codes, right? Or morals or ethics. Well, certainly the Bible has that, but it has so much more. Because God is revealing himself that, you, in a sense, you can't do this. (laughs) Okay, I can I made nature, therefore I can suspend nature's laws to reveal myself to you and reveal my servant to you also. Yeah, and there was a sufficient number of miracles, John. The first, the number of miracles Jesus performed was sufficient for honest inquiries to believe in them. The four Gospels record Jesus performing, what, about 35 separate miracles or 38, depending on how how you look at it. Most of the miracles that Jesus performed are recorded in more than one gospel. Two of his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection, are found in all four gospels. So Mm -hmm. that gives you a good background. So now to begin with, I mean, creation itself is a miracle. I mean, the Bible says that God spoke and these worlds came into existence. You cannot sit in the world today uh, and look around you at, I mean, I look at a tree, right? All the leaves are off it. Mm -hmm. And for three, four months, there's no trees. 
And then come April or May, you get these little buds and these leaves start coming out. And by midsummer, you have fruit and yeah. more leaves. And then you see these leaves turning <clears throat> red and orange and yellow. And then they fall. It's like they, they have like a computer yeah. software in that. Do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that in itself is miraculous. We just move too quick through life to notice these little things. Yeah. And so you can start with creation and then you move forward. And you see it, of course, with Moses. I said before, there's three major episodes in the Bible or periods of time where miracles are really in full display. One is the time of Moses and Joshua. That's yeah. the leaving Israel and moving through the wilderness right. to the promised land. Second is with Elijah and Elisha. That's the time of the kings and mm -hmm. predominantly in the north, the part of Israel. And the third, the biggest, of course, is the time of Jesus and the apostles that we see in the book of Acts. Those three are what we call epic moments where you see a real uh, plethora or many, many miracles of different types taking place. Now, scattered throughout the Old Testament, you'll see other instances of miracles, but not in that number. Yeah. So, I mean, we I think last time we did cover a lot of the Old Testament with Moses yeah. when he was confronting. And what's very important when Moses confronts uh, Pharaoh, uh, those, those, those miracles have a purpose to them. They actually have a reason. Why, why is he doing those type of miracles in that kind of way? And it says this in Exodus chapter 15. I'm just going to read it for a moment. Yeah. Why, why these particular miracles that we're going to see. That Moses did miracles not just to astound people and authenticate that he's a prophet of God. Yeah. But he did it because they're against the gods or the idols of uh, Israel. That's why it'll say in Exodus chapter 15 verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise? Uh, you stretch out your right hand, the earth swallowed them up. So he's talking about mm -hmm. how God is... Um, revealing himself through these judgments basically on the gods of uh, Egypt. Numbers 32 verse 4 says this, and then we'll start moving forward, but yeah. it's a very important thing to, to realize he just doesn't do miracles to do miracles. You know, there's, there's actually a reason yeah. uh, behind it. 32 verse 4 will say, and Moses, uh, uh, the... the the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock and servants. Then he says, therefore, he, God displayed his power mm -hmm. that the Egyptians thought they had power, yeah. but in reality, uh, they didn't. They didn't have mm -hmm. the power that God had. So I think it's a very important point to bring out when we come to see what uh, God is doing in, in, in our midst. Yeah. This is, go on, David. Yeah, I actually have seven. Uh, there, you know, Jesus's miracles consisted of uh, seven key things. Uh, there were various miracles, but one was authority over incurable disease. Two, being able to heal without being physically present. Right. Like he did the centurion servant. Right. Authority over nature. We saw that a lot. Authority over the supernatural realm. Authority over sins. Authority over life and death, and then authority over the natural and supernatural realm at the same time. So, um, you know, the, even though the miracles uh, varied, it just proved that Jesus is Lord of all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the key. You, you know, the one, the kind of the one I, I like, John. Uh -huh. You know, it, it's not it's not one that's talked about a lot, but the one. Um, let's see here. 
so it's the one, the supernatural realm. It's when uh, it shows when Jesus had authority over the natural and the supernatural at the same time. In Matthew 9, 32 through 34, it says, And they were going out, behold, a mute man, demon-possessed, who was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, Nothing like this was ever seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, He cast out demons by the ruler of demons. But this is one of the few that shows, uh, you know, the miracle consists of a man who had problems in both the natural and the supernatural realm. Right. And Jesus just did it with with his words. That's exactly right. So I like that one because it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing here is that um, Jesus is coming and he's a king, right? At his birth, remember the wise man come and said, where's the king of the Jews? (laughs) Yeah. So he's coming... Right. He's the son of David. He's a king. He doesn't look uh-huh. like a king. I mean, he doesn't come in a chariot. But if you're a king, it means you have authority. And if, you, if you're going to claim you're a king, you have to display your authority. Yes. And what you just read yeah. was Jesus, he has authority mm-hmm. over nature. Yes. He has authority over disease. He has mm-hmm. authority over demons. Yes. He has authority over death. He can predict the future, which indicates he has authority over time. He says, destroy this body. I will raise it up in three days. So what people don't realize often, he's displaying and he's verifying who he is. Anybody can come and say, I'm... uh, uh, I'm Albert Einstein. Well, I couldn't even write an equation on a blackboard, a mathematical. <laughs> <coughs> so you're not proving anything, you see. But yeah. when he said it, he's saying, "If you don't believe me, believe the works that I do." Yes. Nobody's ever done these works. No way. So and, you know, and I think you know, even today, people ask, "Well, what's the purpose of the miracles?" It's pretty obvious to me. You know, when we when we revisit the miracles of Jesus, you know, I, I kind of like doing it when I feel discouraged. You know, just to remind me right. that the impossible can be done with God and we can trust him to help us regardless of how difficult a problem is mm-hmm. or even if something really is on our mind and it's maybe not a difficult problem, you even see how he comes and does small miracles. Right. You know, it not, you know the big ones are raising people from the dead, you know, calming the sea. But there's other great ones like feeding the 5,000. Um you know, two that you know that we could look at. I Let's so. go there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'd like to, I'd Ma- like to go to that John one. chapter five. Well, I was I have Matthew fourteen. Yeah, that's if you fine. want to go, you want to go to Matthew fourteen. Well, I like the response in John chapter okay. five because it has a prophetic. Uh, John chapter five. Yeah, and if you look at it, maybe you could well, read and, it. And what to our point, we said that only a couple of these are seen in four of the Gospels. Only this one. Uh, what, uh, isn't the... Um, well, the resurrection, if yeah, you want to call the right, resurrection. Yeah, I call that a... Yeah. Oh, you don't call that No, a, I do, yeah. Okay. But I mean public miracle in the oh, sense sure. of okay. ministering to people. So we'll go to John 5 here. Okay, uh, sixth. Uh, he's finished oh, teaching John in, six? in okay. 5. He's finished teaching. And then, he, if you notice, um, John he six? starts... Yeah, you, I guess you could read 1 through sure. 5. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed. Um, Let's see here. Okay. By healing the sick, then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this uh, this only to test him, 
for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Right, right. <laughs> Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Okay, now set the scene. Yeah. Notice the first thing Jesus does before he feeds them physically, yeah. he was feeding them spiritually. Yes. He was teaching, right? So now uh, the, it, it's inadequate. I mean, and when if you ever go over there, you'll see these people were quite a distance away from like villages and where to go get food yeah. and that. You know how hungry yeah, you get sure. during the day. Yeah. And he, they, they qualify this. Because they said, how many people are there? Yep. It's going to say 5,000. Well, how much food did you have to begin with? doesn't say. It's very specific is what I'm getting at. We have a couple loaves of bread. We got a couple fish. And then Jesus said, okay, he knows what he's going to do, right? He says, make, in the verse 10, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. The people sat down in number yeah. about 5,000. If you study the other accounts of this, because like you said, it's in mm-hmm. all four Gospels. Yeah. They, they, he puts them in clumps of 50 to 100. Ah. Okay? Why does he do that? Easier to, to feed them, right? Easier to distribute. Yeah, to because distribute. what happens in relief country where mm-hmm. people are starving mm-hmm. or really hungry and a U.N. truck pulls up mm-hmm. with food, who gets it first if there's no order? The strongest. Yes. They crowd out the Good others. Point. But God is a God of order. Yeah. The other thing is it's easier to count. Somebody could oh, say, oh, yeah. no, there wasn't 5,000. There was just this. Sure. No, if you're in 50 and 100, it's very yeah. easy to count. Very easy to mm-hmm. count and, and get an accurate. Mm-hmm. So then he puts him in. Now, no, this is, I love the visual on this, David. Yeah. There's green grass. It says that, right, in verse <laughs> yeah, 10. Right. They're in clumps of 50 to 100. They're very hungry. And then he, Jesus is standing, and he lifts these things up. And then he prays. If you, now again, we're looking at the different gospel accounts right. of this. What does it say in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Mm-hmm. He makes me to lie down in still pastures. He restoreth my soul for His name's sake. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He is like the good shepherd, standing. Mm-hmm. And these are like clumps of sheep. All on the green grass. Mm. He maketh me to lie down in green well, that's pastures. Great. That's great. And then what's he going to do? He's, He's going to feed, feed them. them. Yeah. But first he restored their soul yeah. through teaching. Right. He refreshed their soul. And now the b- big miracle comes. He says, take this. Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples. There's an old saying that says, little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. Sometimes we just do something small. We give a little what we have, and we see how God blesses in return. We don't give to get, but God sees that, right? And he blesses Mm -hmm. us in return. And then it says to them, notice he uses his disciples. It's like today. He wants us to be used to distribute bread, you know, the living word of God. He does it in an orderly fashion. People need to hear. And then he says, uh, again, you have orderly distribution, mm-hmm. 12 apostles, uh, and everybody was full, it says. Disciples took it and the other fish as much as they wanted. God is a God of abundance. He is. You see, he fills us to the brim. <clears throat> and he says, gather all the fragments. Jesus doesn't waste anything. Gather up all the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up to fill 12 baskets. Now, remember, there's 12 apostles. That tells me there's reward for faithful service. Good point. 
That's reward like for that faithful visual. service. I like that. Am I right? Yeah. These guys had these things. Now, if you serve God, there's reward for faithful service. There just is. Okay? I'm not yeah. saying it's always going to be monetary or something, but there is. And then, now this is, this verse 14 is very important, David, when you read that. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. There you go. Now this is a key. Yeah. Because in the <laughs> Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, it says, God says to Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, and the people must listen to that prophet or they're going to be cut off or judged. One of the big miracles Moses did was praying to God and he sent bread in the wilderness. Uh -huh. He sent manna, yeah. right, for thousands. Now they're seeing Jesus do this, feeding thousands. But what's interesting about this, Moses does this after he's up on the mount, remember? Yeah. He, Jesus just did the Sermon on the after Mount. After the Sermon he on the Mount, on. yeah. And now they say, that's that prophet. This very, the, the key turns here, boom, is hit that prophet. Then, then what Jesus does, of course, he does a lot. What's the next thing he does in verse 15? Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And then when it's dark and the apostles are in a boat going across Galilee, what do they see happening in verse 18 and 19? A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. <laughs> Now, he has power over supply, yeah. food. Now he has power over nature. Right. Do you see this? Yeah. Just walking on water. Mm -hmm. And they and naturally they're afraid. But they said, it is I, do not be afraid. Now remember, with Moses, there was miracles of water right. when the Red Sea parted and yes. everybody walked through. Yeah. And then there was a miracle at the Jordan when they were going to cross to the promised land, remember Joshua touched it and, yeah. the, and the river opened. But Jesus is walking on top. Yes. You see how much, <laughs> this is phenomenal. It is. And then it says they're afraid. He says, don't be afraid. It is I. And they willingly received him into the boat and immediately, notice immediately the boat was at the land. Yeah. What were they doing prior to that? They kept rowing, it says. Yeah. They went and it says, um, uh, now in the evening, the disciples, they got into the boat and to the sea. And so, verse 19, when they had mm -hmm. rowed about three or four miles, yeah. they're rowing, they're rowing. It's nighttime. There's yep. a wind blowing against them. Sometime in our self-effort, we try to get to where we want to go. We need God's help. People yeah. need God's help. And now there's no more rowing mentioned. It says there immediately, that suggests to me the boat just started, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just like he walked on water, it seems like the boat oh. just skimmed and got to their destination. I think this miracle of Jesus walking on the water, I think, didn't it convince the disciples more than the previous ones that indeed he was the Son of God? It says that in Matthew 14, 32 to 33. Read that. Um, okay. So um, let me pull that up. So what you're getting here is a series of, of uh, miracles, but then what Jesus does he then ties the miracle into a teaching later yes. in chapter 6. He says, I am the bread of life. See that? Yes. I am the bread of life. And then he says, yeah. go on. Uh, it, so go ahead, John. Finish what you're so saying. So he's saying this in the same chapter. He said, uh, um, truly I say to you, you seek me because you saw the signs. You also ate of the bread. But do, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food that endures forever 
I'm the son of man. And then he talks about how he yeah. came down from heaven. Most truly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you true bread. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. Notice, the bread at the time that Moses did the miracle, right. it came down from heaven, almost right. like rain. You know, yeah. it just came down, little wafers. Yeah. So, too, Jesus came down from heaven. Yes, I like that. He's not earthborn. You know what I mean? In other yeah. words, he's, wasn't, he came down from heaven. Of course, he's going to go back up to heaven at his ascension. But here he's saying, and I am the true bread. In mm -hmm. other words, you eat of me, uh, you'll never hunger again. Just right. like he says it about water. He says, I can give you water, you'll never thirst again. It speaks of spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. But do you notice how he ties yeah. the physical and the spiritual lesson here? Yeah. He fed them food. It's really phenomenal. Y you know, it is. Um, you know, I was thinking, I, I can read it if you want. Sure. Uh, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out. This was Peter. Um, and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There you go. So, you know, I, I like this one a lot. I think we talked about it pre in the previous show, too, because it reminds me of, you know, the storms that we're going to have in our own lives. Right. I like the fact that Jesus let him go out three or four miles yeah. in the worst part of the lake so, so that the storm was the most aggressive then he showed up exactly right and you know and that's something we have to remember because when he ascended into heaven he told us that we would face challenges every day yeah. and we have to focus one day at a time don't look for t tomorrow's issues focus on today's that's enough we need to remember that but i i, I really like this one because when I read through this, you know, if, if, if I'm having challenges or whatnot, uh, it, it just reminds me that he's with us. Even if he's holding our hand and we're still taking the pounding, we saw that in the boat, right. the boat scene. He was sleeping. So picture that when the storm is hitting you, just picture him in the boat with you. Right. And he'll let it subside when we're ready for it, when he wants it to subside. But you got to remember... There's very few times um, he's not just going to let you drown if you believe in him and you have a really strong prayer exactly life. Exactly right. Isn't that what you found over the years? Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's not he promises I'll never leave you nor forsake yeah. you. Right. Right. Not only that, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit is sealed. In other words, it's uh, locked in there. If I can yeah. say that, you know, it's not <laughs> right. Know. So, and then you have the promises of God. We could go through difficult times, mm -hmm. but there's never a sense of abandonment that, oh, I'm in this alone. Yes. I, what good could come out of this? That's the thing about as, as a Christian, as a believer, God can do something redemptive yeah. out of something that's tragic right. or bad. The worst thing that ever happened on this planet, if you will, if truly Jesus was God come in the flesh, was that we, we killed him. We spat yes. on him. We stripped him. We, right. we put nails in his hand and hung him in the noonday sun for six hours to die a torturous death, but yes. in a sense, it was the best thing yeah. because that was God's plan for our salvation. And and also, and this story is fantastic because also, okay, Sermon on the Mount, you know, we saw that. Now we're here, you know, with the storm, and then you know, Peter comes out to walk on the water. He falls in, right. into the water because he took his eyes off Christ. Right. There's so much here. And we have to remember, uh, and th this really, I mean, we could do just a whole show on this. You have to be surrounded 
by fellow believers when you're building your faith. That's what this is. This whole program is building your faith Mm -hmm. so that you can weather those storms. You can picture Jesus on the boat with you. You will keep your eyes on him when you're walking out on the water when your faith is stronger. But you can't get there alone. At least I couldn't. I don't know what you have found, but I couldn't get there alone. It, it took me being mentored by you, and I still uh, I still need that mentorship, and I still have so much to learn. But it, it's, it's a continuous process. But what you get from other people is when you see their little miracles. We're talking about big miracles big. here, but how many little ones have we seen, John? Oh, yeah. With our own families, with people in our network, uh, with things happening in our own hometown that seem miraculous in and of themselves. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's just important um, that when you look at these miracles, you know, you have to understand that this truly tells us that Jesus was the Son of God. And not only is he going to take care of your physical needs, but your spiritual needs as well. And that's what he did when he, you know, when he fed the 5,000 right. too. Right. right? He, he's taking care. You know, this reminds me of my grandma. Okay, and I always bring this up to my wife. And it's the way she operated. When I was upset, she'd come, I'd come over to her house. Her name was Situ. And she would feed me first before we talked. Right. She would feed me first before we talked. So physically, I was calmed down. I was well fed. And then she would start rubbing my hand and talking to me. Wow. And it's very akin to what Jesus did here, right? Uh-huh. He, because if your stomach's growling, if you're uncomfortable, will you hear the word? No. Right. So it was the same with Situ. But um, anyway, that's kind of the way I'm looking at these, um, you know, these these bigger miracles that uh, some of the more famous ones. Well, here's what it says 600 years before Jesus appears on the scene. Right. It says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad and the desert shall rejoice, blossom as a rose. In other words, this is poetic language of something really good is going to happen. It's Mm going to be life, right? Mm -hmm. And it shall blossom abundantly, rejoice even... The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They mm-hmm. shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Then it says this, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear, behold your God will come with recompense. He will come and save you. Now look at this. This is Isaiah 30, 35, yeah. verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb shall sing, the water shall burst forth in the wilderness, streams wow. in the desert, parched ground shall be good, the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of jackals, there shall be grass and reeds in the rushes. Look at, I mean, it's all this language that was when this person comes Eyes are open, lame people go, ears can hear. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? And let's say this is all fiction. It's Harry Potter or it's uh, Lord of the Rings. Who, who could write like this? You know, there, 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 There's only one explanation. There's only one yeah. explanation, John, because there were so many different authors over a period of 2,000 years. There's no other explanation from my perspective than it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the Word of God. And he gave, because, you know, we were talking about that. Think of all the different players. If you had one sculptor, and he's going to sit down and do an an image of Christ, right? A sculpture of Christ. That's one thing. But when you have 
How many different authors were there? Forty six or over two thousand years? Six. Well, there's sixty six books. About uh, you're you're at two thousand five hundred years. You got right. approximately forty authors. Okay, about forty authors. Right, okay, right, yeah. so different times, but they put together the perfect statue, the perfect visual, the perfect image of Christ in this book. Exactly right. Like it was the same artist. Yeah. There, there's no other there's no other way to look at it but um and look it, at the backgrounds of these yeah, men yeah you had shepherds you had kings yeah you had poets right you had fishermen right tax collectors there's right. such a wide variety they're not all in the same profession yeah. and then you look at it this way this book is arguably more than three thousand years old right. you tell me another three thousand year old book Whoa. that is being read today yeah. and it's the best selling book today right now come on, you got to take a look is. at him. Am I right? Yes. This thing is yeah. it's remarkable in unity, and when you look at it, 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 the bottom line, David, it's easier to believe it's true than to believe it's not. Yeah. And the critics have all come through the ages and try to throw stones at this thing, but you know what? The books they wrote against the Bible, they don't have much of a shelf life. The the, the beautiful thing is when you were just reading that. Okay, it, that is almost like the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. Now, we know what happened in Genesis at the start when, when Adam and Eve fell and what happened in the garden, right? And then um, just the fact that, you know, thorn bushes came yeah, up right. and, you know, then they were going to have to, Adam was going to have to struggle to raise crops in the future. Um, Eve was going to struggle to give birth. So everything changed. But then as you cruise along and you see all these examples, you brought up Moses parting the water. You talk about Jesus coming, the seas, it all points to Christ. God wants us to see this entire book is about Christ. One and person. he gives us one example after another right. to tell us, this is my son I sent. I'm showing you all these other prophets and just giving you ideas. This is my son. The thing that's awesome, we had on a show uh, last week, this gentleman who um, created that visual of of uh, heaven, right. you know, from the Revelations book. Sure. I forget what, what Revelations book it was. Um, but it basically brings back that purity, the Garden of Eden. Right. And in it, you know, you just see the streams flowing, you know, the gardens, the just complete beauty. There is no ailments. There's no disease. Uh, the light is coming from Christ himself, right, from the yeah. throne. There's yeah. no sun. Right. No sun, There's no, no darkness. That's so, a that's an awesome story, man. I don't know if that that sounds good to you. It sure sounds good to me, especially with what we're living in right now. Well, it shows that yeah. you see when we talk about miracles, David, yeah. we're talking about the Bible too, right? Because the Bible is a miracle yeah. book, like yeah. you just said, in terms of authorship, unity of theme, impact on human civilization. Yes. Uh, I don't care how which direction. But Jesus says, "Search the Scriptures; they testify of me." It says in the Book of Hebrews. In the volume of the book, it is written to me. He is the central figure. And I always use this this kind of a metaphor, this illustration. If you were in med school, yeah. you would study the human body, right? Mm -hmm. And you'd look at the muscle system, nervous system, digestive system, uh, circulatory system, the skeletal system, all these different parts of the body. They mm -hmm. all look different, but they all function together in a unified whole, right? Yeah. So th th then... But it takes, what does it take for the body to come to life? It needs breath. You know, it comes out of the womb, it needs yes. breath. 
And then the blood supplies all the, the, the different parts of the body, from the toes to the top of the yeah. head. My point being that there's all different styles of literature in the Bible. There's poetry, there's prophetic, there's proverbs, there's miracles, there's, there's, there's uh, sermons. But they all form a unified, singular. They do. And, and the breath is the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. that brings it all to life. Yeah. And wherever you cut the Bible, they say it bleeds. Because the blood starts way back with the sacrifice in the Garden of Eden all the way forward. First thing to die, we think, is when God covered Adam and Eve with the animal skins. Right. The innocent animal died for guilty man. And then you see the Lamb of God comes into the world to shed his blood that we can be covered with robes of righteousness. So the unity in the Bible is just, it's astounding. It is. And the reason we don't yeah. realize it, we don't look to it. It's That's why... Uh, there's this thing called, in, when you try to share the gospel, apologetic, yeah. it's with people that don't believe yet. It's called unexamined unbelief. Mm -hmm. Unexamined. Yeah. They don't examine why they don't believe. Right. It's, it's not hard to look out and say, mm -hmm. wow, it looks like nature is designed. It looks like it's fine-tuned. The sun is going to come up at a specific time tomorrow. Ice is going to melt. Uh, it's going to melt at... Uh, water's going to turn to ice at 32 degrees. Starts turning to water at 33, 34. It's going to be steam at 212 degrees. That's a constant. You see what I'm saying? That's fine-tuning. Who fine-tuned this whole thing? Yeah. Who put thousands and thousands of bits of information, data, on a, on a DNA strand? That's, inform that's information. Where's the informant? It's much easier to believe God did it. You it, know? it, it sure is. And... You know, I, I think, I think the big challenge for me when I got started was uh, I never read the Bible, right? Yeah. You know, we talked about this at nauseum. <laughs> um, even I was a Roman Catholic, I just never opened the Bible because I didn't think that I had the ability to understand it. It's that simple. But when I first read the, when you left, uh, when you were going to become uh, the president of WEC, and you were gone for three years, you said, Dave, you know, I'd be happy to mentor you, but you need to read the Bible before mm -hmm. I get back. You wanted to see if I was committed, just mm -hmm. like Jesus telling parables. You have to see who you're going to invest in. Exactly right. Because there's only so much time. So I did do that, but I remember the first time I did it, I was just like, my I just couldn't believe how complicated it seemed to me. Uh -huh. And I was like, how am I supposed to remember? And then, you know, we get to Deuteronomy, we get to number, we get to all this stuff, and I'm like, holy cow, I right. am lost. Right. But I kept going. That's good. Uh, and then the New Testament gave me hope that I could understand it better because it was a fun, bright story with Christ. Right. I really enjoyed that. But the thing I will tell you is once you get the key theme that there was the Garden of Eden, you know, God created Adam and Eve, then they fell, but from that point on, he said he would send hope. Yeah, right. And it all starts with that, and it's all about Christ, and God gives us examples of Moses, uh, of David, um, he gives us examples, um, you know, where, where Jesus is shown, you know, what he's going to be and who he is. So, um, you know, I, I just think if you start, if you understand that when you read it again the second time, it'll be so much easier because those are the things you hang your hat on exactly Ver, versus right. some of the details that you get lost with. Mm -hmm. Not that those details aren't important, but it's very hard to remember all that stuff. Exactly right. You know what I mean? So, so if you have a unified whole, right? It, again, it's like when you used to do those, uh, yeah, uh, not crossword puzzle, jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you have maybe a, a, a 500 pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very hard if you don't have the cover lid, right. which shows you the whole picture. But if you have the whole picture, you can start putting those smaller pieces mm-hmm. together. It's the same thing with the Bible. All of a sudden, you see the unity, the theme. Uh, now, to be a Christian, you don't have to understand the whole Bible. You no. have to simply yeah. believe Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. Right. You're willing to mm-hmm. turn from sin and receive him. By, but as you grow in Christ, you know, it, that's why it says in Peter, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word. You know, it's like milk. You just, you learn the basics. Like you said, then you started reading. And Jesus says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word uttered by the mouth of God. And then finally, Paul says, I want to mm-hmm. feed you strong meat, which is the deeper truth. Right. So at any level, you can be somewhat satisfied to, to, to walk out your Christian life. But the more you grow, the more you know, it just strengthens you and it helps you to share with other people a lot easier. That's just it. That's it. Uh, that, that's it. And, um, you know, I mean, your knowledge base is so much greater than mine. But now, you know, when we started, I, I don't even think I was drinking milk. I think you started me on water. And then, um, you know, I'm still drinking milk, you know, pieces of meat every now and then, although I'm not eating meat, but, you know, I'm eating fish. But, um, you know, and, and I think as you go, you get more and more out of the Bible. The more you read it, the more you work with other people, the more you get into Bible studies. But, John, really, what is the purpose of all that in your mind? What is the purpose of us studying the Word? Well, first of all, it, it's, a, it's how God reveals himself. In other words, it's like this, David. If I'm thinking of a thought right now, yeah. You don't know what I'm thinking, do right. you? It's hidden. Yeah. Yeah. It's mysterious yeah. to you. It's unknown to you. But I, if I say baseball, that which was once hidden and known only to me has now been revealed to you. Right. But the agency that revealed it was word, was a word. Yeah. So if God, yeah. all-powerful, transcend, he's above this universe, it's, right. you know, if he doesn't reveal himself to yeah. us somehow, how are we going to know about him? How does he do that? Through a word. Mm -hmm. The first word is creation. See, he spoke everything. So that's why it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, we should understand from creation, by looking at creation, we should understand the invisible attributes of God, that he's all-powerful, he's a designer, he's intelligent. And then nobody has an excuse to say they didn't know there was a God. Just look at So his first word is creation. The second word is the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That's mm-hmm. He reveals his character, his attributes. Mm-hmm. He reveals things about angels, about demons, about the soul, how to pray, how to praise. All of this stuff is revealed. And his ultimate revelation, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Was God. And that's why Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. It's his ultimate revelation. So that's why we study the word of God, is it just it just strengthens us. It does stuff inside us we don't even know it's doing. Mm-hmm. There's no other book like it. Other book gives you really good information, you know, and we live in an information age that's good, but information alone isn't going to save us. You see, we need wisdom. Information will teach you how to, how to make a life, but, but uh, wisdom will teach you how to live a life. Yes. You know, and there's a big difference. That's why people might be extremely bright, uh, intelligent, but yeah. they don't think the Word of God is, you know, any value at all. And, it, it, you know, just to expand what you said, um, you know, the key, where, where I was thinking, the key to understanding this, to understanding the miracles, to say that this is this is God's Son. 
there's no other explanation for this. The, the, there's bringing people back, you know, uh, to life, it just control over the universe. But here, here's the core reason, because we need to be able to teach it. Right. So Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, you know, that that really you instructed in, in me. I can't just, I used to. I used to just go every Sunday and sit there for an hour right. in church, say, I've done my duty, I'm done. I'm gone. Let's, let's get on to Monday's work effort. That is not what it's all about. When you start to get into the Word, you're going to start that way. That's okay. But as you go... We're supposed to become soldiers for Christ. We're supposed to create disciples. And by going through the Word and studying it and re reviewing these miracles, being able to give people hope, point, pointing them to these miracles and other things in the, in the Bible will help us yeah, that's right. bring people to God. Right, exactly right. That's the bottom line. Yeah, because you're full of the Word of God, yeah. God will use you as a resource. Because right. people need to hear it. Yeah. And a lot of people, like you say, David, are religious, mm -hmm. but don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus, let alone equipped with the Word of God. You don't have to be a scholar. I mean, there are scholar, biblical scholars, yes. but it's like when I went into the Army during the Vietnam War, I went to basic training, they gave me a rifle. I had to know that rifle backwards and yeah. forwards. I have to tear it apart, yeah. clean it, you know, shoot it, because that was my, I operated yeah. with that thing. Mm -hmm. My life depended on it. Well, the Word of God is kind of mm -hmm. like that. It's, yes, it's, it's our source. It's, our, it's, it's, it's our your sword, life. Right? It's, you teach yeah. your children. You tell people about Christ. You, you instruct. You teach. All of this comes from the Word of God. You never lose out when you have the Word of God in you, dwelling richly in you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, let me give you an example of how this works. And I say in Luke chapter 4, we don't have much time left, and sure. I want to yeah. cover this. This is at the start of Jesus' ministry. Uh -huh. In Luke chapter 4, it says he comes to Nazareth, mm -hmm. where he'd been brought up that as a child. Okay, he, okay. And the Sabbath, he goes into the synagogue. They hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opens it, and here's what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to the recovery of sight to the blind. See the miracles? Yes. And set at liberty those who are pressed to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord. This is very powerful, high mm -hmm. language. He's mm -hmm. saying, I'm, the, I'm here. I'm now going to yeah. do this stuff. Yeah. And they, everybody looks at him. Right. And he closes the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. And then he goes, and they're looking at him like, what? You know, and then he starts doing it. And then he but that's fulfilling a prophecy 600 years ago. Yeah. I mean, our country isn't even that old. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, I mean, okay, look at it this way. The Super Bowl is in two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. If right now, David, you can predict mm -hmm. the final score, the MVP, and the attendance in the stadium. Yeah. Three things, right? Put it in an envelope, mm -hmm. and we opened it the day after the Super Bowl, and all those three were true right on. Mm -hmm. You'd be, it'd be spectacular. Yes. It'd be unheard of. Yes. Well, what if you had 200 prophecies? Right. Not two weeks out, but two, 400 years out, a thousand years out. You're going to be born in Bethlehem. You're going to be crucified, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. All of these coming from different angles all converge on this one person. 
How can that happen? It can't, it can't happen it, like there, that. There's no other explanation. Um, and, you know, John, the miracles of Jesus, it, it, here's the thing. You know, when you look at this, uh, if you look at it closely, the miracles of Jesus were never denied. Right. He, even the Pharisees. If you look at Matthew 15, 22 to 24, that one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed, healed them so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the Son of God? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Belzebub, the ruler of demons. The only reason I bring that up is even the religious leaders, they were arguing Christ's miracles were a work of Satan. They still acknowledged that those were That's in a fact good point. true. That's a that good they, point. they witnessed it. Yeah. This isn't a bunch of made-up stuff. Right. No, I think that's a good Otherwise, point. there's no way it could have gotten in the book. Right. It reads like a newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, that's not true. That never happened. Those, yeah, that's just, they're just making that stuff up. Not the case. I mean, that's why people, again, remember what I said about unexamined unbelief. Yeah. They don't look at the manuscript evidence. How right. do we know Socrates lived or Plato lived right. or Alexander? Yeah. Well, there's not there's not a lot of manuscripts. There certainly isn't early manuscripts. There's like 500 years or 600 years right. after the event. But with Jesus, we got multiple manuscripts within 150 years, 200 years, real close to what right. they call the original or the autograph. And why, why do we accept all the others? But when we have all this evidence here and the numbers of partial or whole manuscripts say, no, no, that's not yeah. true, that's not right. And yeah. John, what is stopping you? You have to ask yourself this question. You might be in a dark place right now. You might think, you, you know, there is no way out of this dark cavern that you're in. But you have to understand the power of God and his unwavering love for us, regardless of what storm you're in, or anything you have to overcome when you understand that this is the Son of God who came down from heaven from eternity uh, and died for us shed his blood so that you can come to him and have eternal life it all melts away right that's that's the goal and that's what we're showing here is that not only did he agree to come down but he started off in the womb as a baby he agreed to go through all of that stuff for us, let alone he left eternity to be crucified, one of the worst deaths ever, ever recorded ever, in ever. history. So, um, but why wouldn't you want to be able, regardless of your situation, you know, we looked at the storms, he calmed the storms, and that's really to tell us, regardless of what we're facing, he can help us. Exactly He right. can help us through any storm you're in or any addiction you're in, or any broken relationship. Now, we've seen this a ton. I know we only have a few minutes, but John, the one thing you've taught me, because I was never good at praying, you said, Dave, just talk. Pray like you're talking. Right, exactly. Don't overthink it. Right. And be specific about your needs. I'm still not a very good prayer warrior, but I'm learning because I'm good with business stuff, and I just have to remember it's similar. I'm talking to the God of hosts. Right. I'm talking to the creator of the universe. Why don't I just ask him in my prayer for what I need? Exactly right. <laughs> and what did you tell me? If you're going to a king, what did you no say? Small, no small petitions bring. Right. In other words, <laughs> that's an old saying. But yeah. it's the idea, as a father, and yeah. you're a father, you know as well as I do, and now I have these 12 grandchildren, if they ask you for something, like, man, I'd really like yeah. to get a calculator. I'd really yeah. like to get this bicycle in this, yes. for the summer. 
you're always thinking, you know what? I'm going to yeah. look around. I don't know if I can buy it right now for him. <laughs> yeah. But you delight in yes. giving it to him. Yes. Am I right? Yes. And Jesus says, I love what he mm-hmm. says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so your, our, your heavenly father wants to give you a good gift. The Bible says we have not because we ask That's not. right. Jesus says, mm-hmm. ask and you, and you shall, shall find. Receive. Seek yeah. and you, you shall find. Knock and, and the, the door, door shall, shall be open. open. It's yeah. an invitation. You see, now, I've been a believer now, I don't know, 40 years plus. I've seen a lot of prayers. Have I seen them all answered? No. Have I seen a lot answered? Yes. Keep on praying. That's what I tell people. <laughs> you know, I just... I'm with you, you know, You know, because some prayers involve timing and other issues, but man, you know... Davey, you've been to our headquarters in yes. Philadelphia. We've seen that. Oh you, my, my friend gosh. Raymond, yeah. he was he was broke living in Thailand. He didn't know what to do. Today, he's got a, a school, he's got a church, he's got a development project, he's got a retreat center. He had faith. So you know, in that story, quickly, just so people understand what you're talking about, it was a barren land in Thailand, right. and you and Raymond, you know, he asked you, "What can we do?" And you so let's just pray and fast. So, and fast. So every every week you went out there one day a week prayer and fasting, and now look, I mean he's got an incredible school for children. Uh, Refugee, he's saving yeah. people from the the sex trade. Um, he's got his own businesses to fund things. He keeps getting more land and more property. Yeah. Power yeah. of yeah. prayer. Prayer. There's no other way to. It's a beautiful. It. It's a beautiful journey, and I feel sorry, David, yeah. for people that don't come on the journey. Because look at your journey. Yes. When you came to Christ. Oh yeah. And the prayers Ten you saw ago, answered. Yes. How your children, the, the yes. trajectory of their life, the Everything. people you've met. Right. It's a journey. It's a, it's yeah. like a, for Marie and I, it's like an adventure. It really it is. is. I'm adventure. not just saying yeah. that. Yeah. It's like going to Disney World. <laughs> you know, I hate even to well, bring up day, Disney World. Well, then all day passed. But you know the yes. So uh, it, it, you know the business, yeah. everything that has happened, you know, based on prayer, it's just it couldn't have happened alone. Right. It couldn't have happened under our own power. Before, you know, I used to always read these Harvard case studies and say, if I will it, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. What a joke. Yeah. Who was I, I kidding? Uh, you know, so, so now this is unbelievable because people show up at your front door. Right. I'm not talking about going 100 miles to find them. People just show up in your life w- with, with prayer. Right. And stuff happens that you couldn't have done on your own. It's exactly. that simple. And exactly I've said that right. before. I'm just going to say it again. Exactly right, David. And and again, that's the miracle of prayer. Yeah. You know, we're going to close in a moment. But the Bible is a miracle book. Mm-hmm. People might not believe that, but it's yeah. a miracle book. Prayer is a miracle practice we can all be involved yeah. in. And when you start seeing answer to prayer, it's very exciting. Because you can then start seeing prayers in other people's life. And doors open, and you just sit back and you think, whoa, how did that happen? I belong to a mission organization. We didn't send out one letter 70 years ago. We were looking for a place in America to have a training center. You know the story, David. Yes. We prayed and prayed and prayed. Yeah. And the people in Philadelphia and Fort Washington, one of the highest, most affluent suburbs in North Philadelphia, said, we have this old home, a castle. You guys want it. Yeah. And then we came in. Yeah. We bought it for $70,000. Ridiculous <laughs> price. It needed all kinds of repair. Windows yeah. and uh, ceilings were crashed in and there's water damage. State of Pennsylvania came in about six months later and said, we'd like to purchase some of your land. We want to expand this little road system. 
they gave him like $150,000 that paid for repairs. Now, the world can't understand this stuff, no. okay? They'll say, what a coincidence. Yeah. Or you're lucky or some crazy right. thing like that. Yeah, right. All I know is the old preacher said, the more I pray, the more coincidences I see. <laughs> to God be the glory, right? That's all we want to do, David. Is That's a miracle. What's the coincidence? Yeah. That there is a God... He loves us, and he sent his only son to save us and give us eternal life. That's the, that's, that's the coincidence. That's it. And that's what we're seeing. And it's free for everybody. Yeah, right. So if you're listening to today, you know, 2022, we don't know what's going to happen yeah. in this year. I mean, we hope for the best. It seems like COVID is starting to be reduced, I hope. But, and the economies are opening more. But nevertheless, 2022, where are you going to be a year from now? Where am I going to be? Where are you going to be, David? All I know is there's security in Christ. Right. He invites you. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, the Bible clearly says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege to be a child of God. David didn't understand this before. Mm-hmm. I no, did not understand did not. this before. Mm-hmm. The simplicity to be saved by grace through faith, your whole life will change. If you're serious about this, I guarantee yes. your life will change. Yes. It will never be the same. And I've never known a Christian, and I've been on the deathbed of, of people that have died, literally, when they breathe their last yes. breath. I never met a Christian on his deathbed that regretted that he decided to follow Jesus. Amen. Never, ever. Amen to that. You know. Yeah. And and some actually went out rejoicing. I'm I'm saying that's true. I've seen it myself. Just real quick, you know, most people. uh, Before I was a Christian, I know that um, relatives and whatnot that were passing, that they would always tell me they have regrets. Yes. They have regrets because they're they're redoing their life and their brain while they're you know incapacitated. You will not have regrets Good in point. the end. Good point. I pray when you come to the Lord, especially with what you're doing, you're you're helping create disciples. You're in the Word. It's a it's a very peaceful way to be, especially as you get older, because you know you've done what you're supposed to do, and you're answering life's most important questions. Yeah. Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Exactly right. You know, yeah. we'll close on this. It's a sad yeah. note, but my friend, he comes to the Friday morning men's fellowship. He said a friend of his, he shared the gospel with him. He pushed him off. He pushed, do you want to hear it? Then he knew his friend was sick, but he got a call. His friend actually lived in Dublin, Ireland. And he said to him, Jack, he knew he had just like a day or two left. And he, you know what he kept repeating? I do not know where I'm going. I do not know. Uh, See, he rejected, rejected the gospel. My friend tried to share with him because as a believer, the Bible clearly says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's Paul says it's far better to go be with the Lord. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. So we close on that note, David, that we serve a miracle working God. And, you know, I'm going to, Jesus sends his disciples out, right? And they come back to him, and they can't believe it. They, they're preaching the gospel, but they say, even the demons are subject to your name. A yeah. miracle, right? Yeah. Yes. Miracle power. Uh-huh. And Jesus says, do not think that's such a marvelous thing, but rather that your name is written in the book of life. Yes. That is the real miracle. If you're listening today and you don't know what that means, I would implore you uh, to go to a nearby church that preaches the gospel and a pastor or a friend that's a true believer, ask them, what does it mean to have your name written in the book of life? What does it mean to have new life in Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? I'm not saying, you know, just 
Christian, you're, you go to church sometime, or I'm saying I have an encounter with Jesus that transforms your life forever, flips you upside down, right side up. And you, you, you cannot have every day you'll be thinking about Jesus. Am I right, David? Yes. Every day you're thinking about Jesus. You're obsessed. Most of, most of the waking minutes of your life. You're obsessed. You, you, that, that, that becomes the center of your focus, but it's a good center of your focus because then you can put things in the right category of importance. Exactly right. It, it, it just organizes your world. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. So again, uh, I'm very happy you tuned in. We're looking for next week, David, to have a special guest, maybe actually in the next two weeks, we have two, three yes. going forward. we got some interesting plans for the new year. And again, if you're listening, thank you. This is WNCN Radio from Lorain, Ohio. That's 89.1 FM on the radio station. Thank you again for tuning in. And, uh, you know, looking for a great year ahead of us here, David. No. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. God bless you all.